number of you have already asked me uh, how uh, our General Assembly was. Uh, the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church in America was uh, this past week, and uh, we had a very good assembly. Um, I plan to write an article for the Beacon with uh, some of the uh, main things that we, we dealt with, and I guess I would just uh, simply say that um, Presbyterians that you have read about in the paper uh, are not the PCA. And uh, if you have any questions about those uh, kinds of things, there were other general assemblies that were going on at, at the same time, and uh, so for some that, that caused some confusion when uh, some decisions came out in newspapers across the land about what Presbyterians were uh, doing, and I assure you that uh, we stand firm on the Word of God, uh, and uh, that is our foundation and uh, will remain so. Uh, let's pray as we begin. Lord, we have asked you to uh, speak to us, to give us your food from your holy word. Uh, that's our desire. There is no nourishment unless it comes from there. And you have called every single person in this room to be here at this time, whether, whether they even realize it or not. It was your desire that they, they be in this place. And so, Lord, as you speak to us through your word, will you cause your spirit to speak to our hearts and then give us ears to hear and hearts desiring to respond. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. In terms of having our ministry fair, there is uh, there's something uh, appropriate about having it on the day that we uh, have ordained and installed our, our officers. Uh, you need to know this, in terms of uh, those who let their name stand for office in this church, uh, I never try to talk anyone into that. In other words, if, if, if somebody says, you know what, I, I don't feel called to this, my answer to them is this. If I believe they would make a good elder or deacon, I, I, I tell them that. I, I believe you would make, make a good elder or a good deacon. But if you don't feel called to that, you have my full support. And one of the reasons that I'm, I'm comfortable doing that is I think it would be counterproductive for me to try to talk people into uh, uh, taking an office that one is to be called to. But at the same time, there are many ways within the church for people to serve. And you don't have to be an elder or a deacon or in the women's leadership team. You don't have to be in those leadership and servant positions in order to really be a servant of the Lord. Now, I want to share with you, uh, just by way of context, uh, several things that I have heard in, in my several decades of ministry now 
for people in, in terms of things that I hear over and over again, why I'm not serving. One that, uh, that I have heard, and by the way, I understand all these, because I, I find myself uh, as, you know, a, a pastor who's, who's done a lot of things on the presbytery level and that kind of thing, I find myself thinking that pertaining to those things. But I've heard uh, a number of folks say, well, you know what, I, I put in my time. I'm going to let some of the, the other ones or maybe some of the younger ones do this. I did it when I was young and, you know, I, I, I've done my time as if serving is a prison sentence. You know, I've done my time. <laughs> uh, another one is, my life's too busy already. I, I just don't have time to add something else to my plate. I get it. Look, people right now in, in churches, and I talk to my fellow pastors about this, we all agree that people have never been busier. And I, I don't see any relief in the future. People are running to catch up with their own lives. So I understand that. And then a, a third thing that uh, we sometimes hear is, there are plenty of people in this church, they don't need me. And they look around or, or hear, well, you know, we got 700 members, why would they need me? You know, there's people way more talented than me, and, uh, you know, they, they really don't need me. Now, as we uh, talk about this passage today, and by the way, we're going to work our way through 1 Corinthians 12, but because of the length of the passage, I'm going to take it, you know, a little bit at a time as we work our way through it. But as we talk about it, my goal is not to make you feel guilty, so guilty that you say, all right, I'll sign up for something. You know, that would be counterproductive too, wouldn't it? That's not my goal. That's not how we work here at St. Andrews. But I will tell you this as your pastor. My goal and the, the goal of our church is to make disciples. And a part of being a disciple is to serve. That's a component. And our goal here in helping people joyfully know Jesus Christ, love him more, and serve him better, our goal is not to guilt people into fulfilling our mission, but to equip them and give them great joy as they become a disciple. And I will tell you this right up front. More often than not, people who are serving are more content in their faith, have more joy in their walk than those who are not serving. Now, there are exceptions on both sides. 
And yet, I can't help but to think that they are related. Now, I want to give you uh, several principles out of, and there are some other great passages about uh, the gifts of the Spirit, but I want to give you uh, um, five principles here that, that we see in this passage. Uh, the first is understanding the gifts of the Spirit is important for the church. You know, I, I guess that should be obvious, the fact that we're, we're talking about it today, the fact that it's in Scripture in a number of places. But let me read to you the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 12. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, take note, first of all, of that very first phrase. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Some of your versions may say, I don't want you to be ignorant. And if you're a student of the Scripture, you may say, you know, that sounds familiar. Where else have I heard that? Well, you have heard that very phrase by the Apostle Paul over in 1 Thessalonians 4 where he says this, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, or ignorant, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. So here he's using, you know, over in 1 Thessalonians 4, he's talking about the second coming of Christ, and he's talking about grief that, that people can have about those who have died, and he's about to do this essential teaching about that, a classic teaching about that uh, important subject. And he introduces it. I don't want you to be ignorant about that. And he introduces this subject of gifts the exact same way. This is essential for the church to understand. If we are ignorant of it, if we are uninformed about the use of spiritual gifts, the church cannot be healthy. And so Paul puts it, you know, uh, it, it's like he's putting it in the same category as something as essential as the second coming of Christ. So the second coming of Christ is about that which is to come and the comfort that brings. This passage is about how are we going to function right now? How's it going to work? How does the church go forward and get to that point when we're going to be ready for Jesus to come? And then he talks about it. Now, he's talking about uh, people that not long ago were, were pagans. Um, I know we don't use that term, um, or we probably shouldn't use that term, let me put it that way, about those who, who don't know Christ, but that was just the, the term that they would use. They were idol worshipers. They, uh, and so what he's doing is he's saying, look, you all who were pagans and worship false gods, you know what? They don't really have a theology of service. If a God's not really of God, 
They don't, I mean, who's, who's going to serve this idol? He won't know what I'm doing, and we all know that. And he says, look, you who are now Christ followers, it's different. And I want you to know how it's different. And he's about to talk about the body of Christ. And he says this, uh, the second principle is that God gives a variety of gifts to his church. Verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Now he is about to uh, illustrate this with with the body, the illustration of the body, but uh, Paul, uh, Paul's simple point is that we're not all the same, and that's a good thing. That's, that's basically it. Uh, because I was going to General Assembly on Tuesday, uh, I had to do a lot of the work on this on, on Monday, but I also had to take a car into the car dealership and so I took my computer and, and books with me and uh, ended up having to get more work done than I thought, which was great because I, had, I, I saw two and a half movies, but I also got to work on, on this. But, you know, as I, was, uh, as I was sitting there working on this about how, how, you know, things fit together and so on, I thought, you know, look here, at the dealership, I arrived there at, you know, seven-something and and somebody received me, and it was a well-run dealership, by the way. Somebody received me there, and they said, uh, what can we do for you? I had already made an appointment, but what can we do for you? And they looked me up, and they said, okay, fine. Will you be waiting, or you need a shuttle, and so on? And uh, so um, he took care of me, and then somebody else came out and got in the car and took it back, I assume to a mechanic. I don't know where the car went, but I, you know, it went away and came back fixed. So uh, they, they said, well, you can go sit down you know, in the waiting area. I sat down, and uh, you know, as I was sitting there, I saw people in the billing section. I saw salesmen doing what they do. I saw... Uh, you know, people in accounting. Uh, I saw, you know, manager types just walk around saying, is everything fine and all that. And then there was one girl, and uh, I know this isn't all she did, but I saw her about every hour. She would come out and, and make coffee and all the coffee things, which was great for me. And they had popcorn there. There's nothing like popcorn and coffee at 8 o'clock in the morning, Right? <laughs> Now, that's hospitality. But look, here's, here's the bottom line. It took all of them, really, in order to function as a good car dealership. Um, you know, I went away a, a satisfied customer, basically. Um, I say basically, not because of anything they did. I just never liked spending money on cars. But... But other than that, I was satisfied, and I thought, this is a well-run well place. But it, it took all of them, really, to do their job and to do it right, because if it had fallen down at any point, it, it could have caused a, you know, a customer not to be satisfied. 
terms of the church, you know, you know what I've heard from people that we have hired from within the church? I keep hearing this. I can't believe everything that goes on here all week long. Uh, you know, how, how many people are in and out of the church? How many people are serving that we never see? And you know what? There's people down there right now that are preparing things so that we can go eat later. And there were people up here yesterday preparing things. And Friday. Things don't just happen. But to me, it's a glorious thing when we see people doing what they can do and everybody doing things. Some of the things I, I wouldn't mind doing all, some of them I'm, I, I'm thinking, boy, I'm glad they're doing that. But working together, there's a variety of gifts. Thirdly, God, uh, he not only gives a variety of gifts, but here's where it hits home. Everyone, and by everyone I mean everyone who is in Christ, who is trusting in Christ alone for eternal life, everyone has at least one gift and it is to be used, okay? Not just everybody has a gift, but it is to be used. The last part of verse six. It's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Verse seven. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith. Here he's talking about different uh, focuses of, of gifts uh, by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. See, the same source, the, the Holy Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he, will, as he wills. Now I'm afraid that's where some Christ followers get stuck. In other words, they hear everybody has a gift and the immediate thought, and it might have already gone through some of your heads, the immediate thought is, well, what can I do? Now, I'm, not, I'm not like those, you know, our, our wonderful choir that can be up there and sing. You know, I can't cook. I, you know, I, I'm no teacher, and you start listing the things you can't do as if it is limited to that. And I think too many people just get, get stuck there. You may say, I don't have any gifts, which would make you the one exception of all time, by the way, <laughs> the only one ever that didn't get a gift. So, so you know that's not the case, Okay. So, here's my theory. I think sometimes we make discovering our gifts far too complicated. Now, here's what I mean by that. There are things that they call gift surveys that may have dozens of questions. And not only have I taken those, I have given those to people and, uh, in, in previous churches and so on. And we go through trends where 
Now that's the thing we've got to do and, and so on. And there are just like dozens of questions. And, and if you've taken those, I think it's great. And if you want to take one, I can find one for you. Um, and they can be helpful in terms of you understanding some of your gifts. But I don't think it even has to be that complicated. I doubt that the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians had a gift survey for them. Right? It hadn't been invented yet, all right? And so here's how I think you can know what your gift is. If you see a need and you can fulfill it, it is likely God has gifted you to do that. Some of you are thinking, oh, it can't be that easy. Come on. If you see a need and you can fulfill it, then it's likely that God has gifted you in that area. Let me give you an example. You know, three people can walk into a situation and they may see three different things as they assess it that need to be done. Now, all three probably need to be done, but I know there are situations I can walk into and I can, I can assess it, and, and there are some needs, and I, I won't even notice it. But somebody else can walk in and see that and notice it. I think that's a part of it, that God has, has equipped your mind to where you see a need, and then you say, well, I, yeah, I could do that. Well, then go do it. I mean, that's, that's the simplest way I can think of. Now, I do think that at some point our gifts should be affirmed by others. I think that's helpful. But you don't have to wait till a bunch of people say, hey, you know what? You could be good at stacking chairs. Or you could be good at greeting people. If, you, if you've heard that, then that's, it's likely that, that you're gifted in that. But you don't have to wait for that. If you see a need and you can do it, you probably ought to be doing it. It's a good way to at least explore as your, as your gift because I believe God gives us eyes to see areas that he, he has chosen to gift us in. You know what? Some of you love holding babies. Some of you... Um, Mostly ladies, let's face it, okay? Uh, I mean, guys, we, we tolerate it. We, <laughs> I, I better stop there, but. <laughs> I like babies, okay? But compared to how my wife likes, how Connie likes to hold babies, there is no comparison. I like them when they get bigger and you can kind of play with them, you know? Uh, and you can tease them, and they can know you're teasing them, you know, that kind of thing. Well, some of you uh, like holding babies so much that you, uh, you volunteer at hospitals to hold babies. I am thrilled if you do that, and I want you to keep doing that uh, because it gives you an opportunity to be salt and light in, in our world. God has gifted you in that. But you know what? We need people to hold babies in our nursery. 
That's a need. We had, you know, I've been praying for more babies and children. We had nine babies down there last week. That's a lot of babies in one little room. And we need people. And guys, if you love holding babies or if you, you know, I can do it especially if my wife's there. You know why? Because you can go, uh, you know. <laughs> but but it's a, it would be a neat thing to do as, as a couple as well. You know what? We have some great teacher, teachers in this church, teachers in uh, the public school and, and teachers in private schools and uh, uh, teachers in, in home, at home. We have some great teachers. We also have a need for teachers. And I have to wonder, you know, if you are a great teacher, it's because God has gifted you to be a great teacher. And I guess my question would be, did he gift you to be a great teacher only to get to teach when you're being paid? Or did he also do it so you can use that wonderful gift and help disciple our children or our adults by using that gift of teaching. There's a fourth principle, and that is the gift should bring unity, but if we aren't careful, it can cause disunity. Verse 12, and I'm gonna read a couple paragraphs here, uh, but these are, are, will be familiar to some of you. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, uh, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we're all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. You see, he's using the illustration of the body because that's something people understand. We, we, got, we all have bodies. We get that. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, by the way, there's, you know, don't miss the humor here. Uh, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? John Perkins, who is uh, with Voice of Calvary in Mississippi, says, the last individual thing that happens in your life is when God's Spirit takes you individually from death into life and joins you to Christ. Then you're immediately incorporated into a body of believers that transcends space and time. What he's saying is this. We shouldn't look at you know, this room and say there's a whole bunch of individuals in here. Yes, we're individual. But everyone in this room who is a believer is interconnected because we're all part of the body. And so he says, you know, once you come into the body, you're engrafted, so to speak, then that's the last individual thing you do because what you do affects others. It edifies them, it builds them up, or it tears them down. If you use your gift, no matter what it is, you will contribute to the unity of the body of Christ. 
if you do not use your gift, it will hurt the body of Christ. And I don't know of anyone that deliberately wants to hurt the body of Christ who are true believers. If God has led you here to this part of the body of Christ, then he has a place for you. He wants you to do something here. Number five, whatever gift you have, it's because God chose that one for you. Verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Edmund Clowney says it's like this would be a, a place where if we had a stained glass window, I would point at the stained glass window, but we don't. But you've all seen stained glass window. Edmund Clowney says the body's like a stained glass window where you have um, all these little pieces, all different colors, and they're all fit together, and together they're formed into a picture. And it's only when they're all together and the light is shining through them that you, you can grasp the picture. And he said that's what the body of Christ is like. Verse 21, the eye cannot say of the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And you know what? I've seen this, this body, this church do that so well when a member is suffering. When one suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Should cut both ways. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed to the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, uh, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all, all apostles, all prophets, all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all seek, uh, speak with tongues, do all interpret, earnestly desire the greater gifts. Do you ever find yourself envying someone else's gift? I do. But you know, this passage helps me with that. Because when I find myself envying someone else's gift, this passage informs me by telling me, you know what? You have every gift that God wanted you to have, and that person has every gift God wanted them to have. And so then it becomes a matter of walking by faith and asking him for contentedness with the gift that we have and the ability to rejoice that he has given the body that gift. Uh, by the way, I don't see this as a complete list of gifts. There are several places in the New Testament gifts are listed. 
not, there's some overlap in them, but, uh, but they aren't exactly the same, which tells me that these are representative gifts. There are, in other words, there are gifts that aren't listed here or even anywhere in the New Testament that are gifts of the Spirit, uh, in my view. Um, he goes on and says, I will show you a, a still more excellent way, which, by the way, is the introduction to my sermon for next week. We are about to uh, spend the rest of the summer on that more excellent way in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, as he talks about love and how it is fleshed out in the body. Now let me ask you this. Going back to the hindrances to, that I said at the beginning, after seeing this passage, ask yourself how they sound. How does it sound? Let me put it this way. If you were standing before Christ, how would it sound to say, I've put in my time. How would it sound to say, my life is too busy, I don't need something else to do? Or if you're standing before Christ, how would it sound to say, there's plenty of other people here that, you know, they don't, they don't need me here? Do you think any of those would be found acceptable? You don't need to worry about me, what I think. But what about the one who went to the cross for you? Who had a plan? There are lots of opportunities to serve in our church. Let me tell you what we're going to do here in a couple of minutes. On, uh, we're going to go down for a meal. And by the way, it, uh, what Mark said is exactly right. If you're visiting with us, come to this meal. You don't want to miss this. And if you forgot to bring something, come to the meal anyway. I was, uh, because I knew a lot of people would come in the great hall before Sunday school, I was there greeting the food as, the people as it, <laughs> people carrying the food as it came in. It's going to be a, a, a great meal and a great time of fellowship. So if for nothing else, come and rejoice in that, in just sitting down and eating together, and probably getting to know somebody that maybe you didn't know as well. And here's what I want you to do. On the last hymn, we're not there yet, so don't, you're not going to start singing yet. I'm telling you what we're going to do here in a minute. On the last hymn, those of you with children in the nursery or the children's section, I want to excuse you and ask you to go ahead and get your children, because we're going to let you go through the, the line first which, by the way, would also free up the nursery workers. And if you'd been in the nursery, you could have gone through the line first. But I'm just, we want those. And then if you have children uh, that are in elementary school, please go through the line with your children. You would be amazed at how many deviled eggs one child can put on their plate. <laughs> and if you're, if you're going to be at a table representing a ministry, you too should go during that last hymn. Okay, so there'll be people moving during the last hymn. And here's what we're going to do. After that hymn uh, and after the benediction, all who are staying, I want to ask you to go down one of these staircases. 
Uh, either one is fine. They both go downstairs. And then we're going to move that way. Um, and uh, if you can't stay, Pastor Pointer will be at the, the front door and, um, you know, to, to you have an opportunity to greet one of the, the pastors. But when we get downstairs, you, I will be directing you into the youth area, which if you've never been there, you need to go through it anyway. But in the youth area, you will find a number of tables, and uh, you will be zigzagging through the tables, and it will be kind of like at Disney World Space Mountain. You'll think you're near the food, but there'll be one more. <laughs> but you're going to go right by, right by a, a number of ministry tables. On those tables, you will see sign-up sheets. And uh, everything from uh, men's ministry, women's ministry, uh, children's ministry, youth ministry, you know, a lot of different kinds of things. Now, some of you will say, you know what, I've been meaning to sign up to be a greeter, and you'll see the greeter thing, and you'll want to stop right then and just put your name down. And by the way, you're not doing anything except saying, I'm interested in finding out more about this. You're not saying, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, or you may not even, after you hear more about it, feel led to do that. That's okay. But if you put your name down, we will contact you. I, that, that's one thing we will seek to do and tell you more about it and see if, if indeed you would like to do that ministry. Now, some of you, um, you may see that and you want to stop, but not everybody will. Here's your other option. You can just go through the line and take note of what is there and then go ahead. If your blood sugar is low, just go right through and go get your food and eat and then you can come back and look at the tables. So those are your, your two options and either one is fine. We, we actually, we want some to go on through so that, you know, the line will continue to move and, uh, and, and so on. So... Uh, those are the things. One more thing. After you get your food, you're going to be directed. Uh, we're going to park you. It'll be like a parking thing because we're going to need all those seats down there. And uh, so somebody will be saying, if you'll go down this way. And I know that's going to make some of you sit next to somebody you, you've never met before and give you a great opportunity to, uh, to get to know someone. So we hope that, that many of you will take the opportunity and, uh, and, and pray about it. And maybe there's something where you want to find out more. Children's ministry, vacation Bible school, nursery, uh, youth ministry, various things. And uh, you just put your name and contact on there. Forty days after the resurrection uh, this year was June 1st, and that was uh, Ascension Sunday. And we, we do celebrate the ascension of Jesus. That's one of the, the most wonderful doctrines uh, that we have in the Word of God. Listen to what Paul said. A lot of times this isn't even associated with the ascension. Listen to what he said in Ephesians 4, which is another section that talks about gifts in the body of Christ. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, 
He led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Isn't that amazing? Here's what it's saying, that that was his master plan. He would take his rightful place in heaven, and when he did that, he would send his Holy Spirit. He would pour him out at Pentecost, and through his Spirit, he would bestow gifts upon those within his church, and that's how his kingdom would move forward. May God help us to acknowledge and receive those gifts that he has given to us and to make use of them and to do so with great joy. Let's bow together. Lord, we do ask that uh, you would lead us in that. That's, that's simply what I've been praying. Um, I don't want anyone to, to sign up uh, merely out of some kind of a false guilt. But I want you to lead us and, and help us to hear you as you lead. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.